Hello, OdaFest listeners, and welcome back to the OdaFest podcast. I'm Jay. I'm back. I made it. Yay! He lives. He lives. He lived. I have been resurrected for the purposes of only the podcast. You owe me a Phoenix down. Oh, I don't even know where to find one. Yeah, I, I guess don't I'll either. Just be in what do those cost? Like five hundred gill, give or take. Like eight bucks. You know. <laughs> <laughs> a boba, give With or take. With me, I have the Angelo, the Dio, Hello. the Nancy. Hi. And we are here for a new episode. But before we get too far. I have some news and announcements for you all. Odafest collaboration with Regal Cat Cafe has officially started and Yay. will run until the end of April 2023. That's this year. Woo! Make your way there and try Gabriel's Ota Soda. Or for $25, get two kitty visits and two special drinks, plus a chance to win a free weekend pass to Odafest 2023. Again, that's this year's Odafest. Get ready to experience Yosoka energetic traditional dance routines and colorful costumes that have made them a beloved fixture of the local art scene. As a dynamic Japanese dance troupe, they will bring their unique style of dance, Yosakoi Soran, to our festival. And get ready for Yamano Oto, the Calgary-based taiko group, and they'll be joining us at Odafest 2023 again. That's this year! Get ready for a high-energy performance that blends traditional rhythms with modern influences. Experience the power and beauty of Japanese drumming live. Go grab your tickets now at odafest.com. Woo! Ah, so much good stuff. So So many good things coming up. And and, uh, warning for uh, cosplayers, creatives, and people doing preparation for the event. You are down to the final month and a half this is not a drill so you have yeah. a month of procrastination <laughs> and then two weeks to get all of your stuff done good luck yeah, yeah. you do it all of your managers are looking forward to your vacation requests where you take off the the two weeks before Odafest and yep. then the the following five days after Odafest so you can recover exactly yes. i do remember for the longest time about like Oh, I want to say like eight years ago, something like that. There was a time where a significant amount of people at Odafest worked in the same place. Yeah. The same place. And <laughs> like part of it was just like, you know, they had the same skill sets. So they worked in the same, like, like you know, the they same general industry. Other. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it was mm-hmm. like on the, on the professional side, it also just made sense. But then come around Odafest, they would all be submitting time off and they'd be like and the and the business at hand they were like we can't do this we cannot have like this is not good for us yeah it was like we can't have 75 percent of our workforce just vanish for an entire but the, weekend but the funny part was is that like people like we had people at every level of that organization basically yeah like all the so improvers were somebody... also people who yeah. were like yeah i want you to take that time off so you can go do the stuff yeah. that we yeah. do together the, the 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 life that we actually lead this everything else is a is a front uh, a sham but you know for four days four days for the organizational part of it odafest is like we live our real lives 
Yeah. Clearly, Odafest <laughs> needed to engage in higher forms of regulatory capture for the company involved. We needed to get Jenny as their CEO. We needed to get <laughs> uh, um, everybody else involved in the HR department. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could just have an entire organization made out of Odafest volunteers. Then we could plan our entire strategy around uh, Odafest weekend and Odafest like big events. It's almost yeah. like. We have that. It's almost I, like I, that I don't, exists. As a I don't know what you're talking non-prof, about. Prof non for profit organization or <laughs> something. <laughs> I mean <laughs> You know what I mean. Uh we sure do. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Funny stuff. There there uh, I was um I was kind of making a joke um not necessarily related to the podcast, but kind of related now that you've brought it up, which is that there's sort of like a pipeline where if you played professional video games at any level, um, mm-hmm. you end up working in IT. Yep. Um, 100%. and I like that that that's a hundred percent like a, a discoverable thing, and I am I am contributing to that. Nancy As also just uh, raised her hand because she's yep. also contributing to that. Some <laughs> of my coworkers contribute to that, both current and and previous. And uh, mm-hmm. there's definitely that is definitely also uh, true. I think for for anime nerds, like there's definitely an anime nerd to computer science or IT related field pipeline in the same way that there is definitely a furry fandom to IT pipeline. Like all the, all the, 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 uh, like media culture nerds, there's, so if, are if you you're a media culture nerd, you, you will end up in IT. We so know where it's at. Niche pop culture that requires, uh, or traditionally required a vast amount of computer knowledge to successfully navigate and acquire. Uh-huh. Leads to technical fields. Yeah, indeed. And I, it's it is it is really not surprising. It is an unsurprising uh, correlation. And yet, the same brain shell, cell is shared. The same brain cell, exactly, it's is shared true. across all pop culture nerds. Uh, mm-hmm. So, if you are a pop culture nerd, there is like I don't know a seventy five percent chance that you will uh, be in an IT or IT related role or position. Uh, Will that keep being the case, though? Because yes. unlike 20 years ago, where you had to be very tech-savvy to acquire anime, these days it's very easy. You can get it on just about any streaming app. Uh, that's a good point. Maybe it will change. I don't know. That That's a good point. Maybe. I don't know. Weebs can go back to, like, working in restaurant kitchens. They can become farmers. No, they can't. They can't afford... They How are they going to afford all their Nendroids waiting tables? <laughs> Are you kidding? The waiters are the best paid people in the restaurant. With I guess that is true. <clears throat> but except people aren't tipping as much anymore. I mean, to Dio's point, I was just going to say, if you don't already work in IT, you probably will soon. Or at yeah. some point, you will find yourself working in IT. That is true. That is just that is also just a given, regardless of who you are. Uh, we live in a, techno- a technology world. Uh, you will inevitably find yourself working with technology. And you know what? Those waiting jobs that I just said that weebs are going for, they're they're at threat by technology. They're going to be destroyed <laughs> by adorable little cat, cat robots. robots. Oh my gosh! Yeah, we did go for fusion sushi yesterday for a, <gasps> like a, a dinner, and yeah. I had never been to the so there, there's a couple locations um, in the city. Uh, I had only ever been to the Kensington location. I have no idea why that's the case. I've always only ever been to the Kensington location. I went to the se- we went to the 17th Ave location for the first time 
for me for the first time for other people Mm -hmm. not the first time but for me the first time and they had one of those cute little um cat robots those cat robot waitress so it was a robot that was about four feet tall and on the top of it was an lcd screen that had a little like cow moji text cow moji cat face it had little ears mm -hmm. with leds on it and the body of the robot was like trays and so they would load your food onto the cat robot. It would drive over to your table and be like, Nya, look at me. Grab your food and press the finish button. Yeah. And so when we oh. press the finish button, it made this adorable little cat face. And it was like, Nya. And it was like so cute. And then it drove away. So I thought of two things that uh, basically are flaws in that robot. <laughs> First of all, when it came to the table, D was like, oh, hold on, I need to take a photo. And like, it just sat there awkwardly. It only had one dish for us. And I don't even mean like a big dish. It was it like, was just I think beef it was tataki. like, it was just, yeah, it was just beef tataki. It was like a small bowl of beef tataki. And it was just sitting there awkwardly waiting for Dio for like 15 seconds to yep. like actually bring out the phone. And then Angela was like, yep. take a video. And that took longer. <laughs> Oh and it was gosh. just like, so it was just, you know, the it human equivalent would be like, I got places to be, but you got to hit finish before it kind of rolls away. Second <laughs> of all, I don't really like the fact that it has open air trays. Like, I feel like it needs to be closed trays. I don't know why it's a sanitary thing for me. Or like, like, you want, like, uh, like a or little I want to know, like, which one. Pull up. Yeah, or like, I want to know which tray might be my order coming to the table kind of thing as opposed to it's just I, sitting there i think they only show one order at a time like they would only load it with one order at a time is the idea but at the same mm. time like why do you care if it's open or closed when a waiter brings it to you it's not closed because a waiter can monitor what's happening to the food as it brings it to you versus this slow robot just roomba rolls it over to you through the whole restaurant I don't know. I just don't like that as much. Are are you worried that someone is going to snipe your beef tataki from the robot as it passes by? No, I just don't want that thing that happened in Japan with uh, the the train sushi where people were like licking the condiments and putting it back onto the the grill. Yeah. Who raised these barbarians? Don't do that. Japanese people, apparently. (laughs) It's terrifying. Awful. I I had a very I uh maybe this is because like I work I, like I do a lot of coding and like I get to I get to flirt with with uh AI and and robotics a little bit um as part of my work so I have like this weird sort of like hilarious contempt <laughs> for robots no matter I how sure cute do. they are that's the other flaw that's the other flaw that these robots will have. And so at one point, you know, the thing is like it's waiting for orders, right? Like there's it's delivered all its stuff. So it returns to its like little docking station by the kitchen. And it's just Mm kind of sitting there and it's blinking through its cute faces. And I think uh, both Jay and Angela just go, oh, my God, it's just sitting there. It's so cute. And I'm like, ha, 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 it's so adorable. I would love to watch its face change as I push it down some stairs. And they're just like, are you okay? I don't know. (laughs) I just just want to destroy it. It's so cute that I just. So there is actually. On a on a more like scientific level, I don't have the exact details because I am no scientist, but I have read something along the lines of like there is some weird correlation between cuteness 
and wanting to destroy cute things. What? Um, it's called let, cute aggression. No. Yeah. No, no, no. It's actually a thing. Like, yeah, you've heard it. You just may not recognize it in the context. But a lot of people will say, like, oh, my God, it's so cute. I want to crush it. Like, like they want to squeeze, squeeze it to it. death. And, and like, like, they, like uh, people say that because there's a weird correlation there. I don't know what it is in terms of the actual, like, psychological linkage but uh-huh. it is it is like oh like i want to just ah! thank you for defending me because i was about to say i do not want to do this to people or cute animals <laughs> or only cute inanimate objects uh yeah are are, th- are the victims of my internal rage but dio just really likes office space and anime so destroying cute printers is the obvious. Oh, I would love, I would love to like just kick some printers down some stairs. That like, would be really fun. Imagine, like, damn. imagine a printer uh, screws up printing your thing, printing your thing. The paper gets jammed, and as soon as you unjam the printer, the first thing it does is it prints out like a sorry emoji. Oh I would want to punch it. <laughs> I would do. I would really want to. So- I would want to do bad. What if? Too. What if it had like a printer built in, and then like you like pushed it so hard, like it's pretty, it's pretty much busted. But it has like an emergency printer that just like prints out like a piece little of paper. sad so faces. Like, I'm I'm so sorry. Did I do good enough? <laughs> but I mean, a lot of printers have an LCD as well, so like Terrifying. it could just show. It the could just sad show a little sad there. face. But I feel like wasting physical resources like ink and paper to show the 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 sadness is really what printers would do. Yes, because they I are just evil creatures. One of those cat, one of those cat waiters. Like when they start running low on power, they go back to a person to ask them to be docked for, to recharge, and then on their face they also say, "Did I do a good job today?" Well, that's basically that's uh, curiosity. Right? Yeah. The uh yeah. the rover, the Mars the rover. rover. Yep. Did I do good enough? Did I yep. do Can I come good? can I come home now? Oh. No. You're never coming you home. You can never come back. Yeah. It's getting dark. You know what? Actually, this is why our generation grew up with like Nintendogs. You know what would be interesting? Uh, I did not. The Maybe. first the first manned mission to Mars that has a planned return trip, which I hope would still be the first mission to Mars. Uh, if they collected some of the rovers to bring them back for like a museum or something, I think oh my god, that would be I so don't cool. Think, I don't think they would ever bring them back until like it would be a very long time for them to ever bring them back. I think it's a we established calling on Mars. Go to the Mars Museum. Yeah, because they're not yeah. gonna they're not gonna payload a whole other trip back here. Yeah, so those not- those. Rovers are like a like thousand pounds or something. It would be no, very expensive the other, for just nostalgic is, purposes. Like, I I could be wrong, but I feel like at least for the first, like, I don't know, probably five trips, maybe ten trips. If you're going to Mars, you're staying on Mars. You are probably <laughs> staying there. Yeah. You're going to be the first hope. people to, to not die on Earth, basically. Yeah, I would hope that they would have That's a return dark. trip planned somehow, but uh, the no. reality is, if they were bringing anything back with them, it would be a bunch of Mars rocks and Mars dust, sand. Yeah, yeah, yeah it'll just yeah. be a bunch no, of no, environmental stuff. No, no, no. What's going stuff. to happen is like you're right. We're both right. We send people, living real humans, up there, <laughs> and then they're like. Establish a colony on Mars. You can't come back. But send us some rocks, please. Pretty the much. It's going to be like, 
Send us the samples. Oh, no. Please. Rocks are loud. You are not. You are not. You stay there. Yeah. (laughs) Catbot can bring the rocks to the the rover. Oh, true. Did I do good? Please rate my service. (laughs) I need a rating. Now, it's depressing enough to think of people going to Mars uh, and never coming back. So let's think of businesses exiting Canada and never coming back instead. So this week, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond finally started. They're going at a business sale. Yeah. And oh, yeah. yeah this has been something that's been on Dio and I's radar for a little while now. Mm-hmm. So we made a trip to go out there. And there was one item specifically that I've had my eye on for a little while. Uh-huh. For the longest time, they've had these nice uh, marble mortar and pestle sets. And so I got one for 30% off. Absolutely fantastic. And the first thing that I wanted to do was make some real traditional garlic aioli. Mm -hmm. Oh, yum. The garlic aioli that you get in a lot of restaurants or in like a squeeze bottle at a store is made with mayo, which is not the right way to do it at all. It's the cheater way of doing it. The proper garlic aioli is just cloves of garlic a little bit of salt, and olive oil to emulsify. Yesterday, uh, Dio made some grilled cheese, and I was just like, you know what? I'll whip up some some aioli real quick, since I haven't gotten <laughs> to do it yet. The, the grilled cheese was cooked much faster than the aioli was prepared. So I took a shortcut in the way that I just didn't, didn't mash in enough oil. I didn't emulsify enough oil, so it was still... Much thicker, uh, still pretty creamy, but the garlicky tastes were not so strong. dispersed enough. It wasn't diluted enough, and fat carries flavor, so every little molecule of olive oil that was emulsified into this wonderful garlicky paste, it was garlic with the force of a thousand suns. It uh-huh. was powerful enough to make an Italian man weep with joy <laughs> it was i took a bite and i was like it's it's spicy and not this is not spicy hot but like horseradish garlic spice yeah. yeah this is enough to be so antibacterial yeah so i love you it. told me when you it. told me about this yesterday you told me that like we had gone for we'd already gone for sushi and then we hung out for a bit and you told me about it then and then you said I can still taste the sushi in the back of my throat. No, the garlic, the garlic aioli. Yeah, in I could. Throat. I'm oh like, my gosh. So, so everything that we ate context, just now, you had a tinge of garlic. I was like, wow. okay. For context, we made the grilled cheese sandwiches and the aioli around 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Yeah. Uh, after that, because the garlicky flavor was so strong in our mouth, Dio made both of us brush our teeth. Yeah, it, I was like, and I can't. And then I can't we went and that. had dinner around. Uh, 7.30-ish, and then 10 p.m. rolled by, and I was like, yep, when I uh, swish my tongue around different parts of my mouth, I can still taste the garlic. It's still there. This is wonderful. (laughs) It was so (laughs) strong. How well did you wash your mortar and pestle? Because it's all going to be in there, too. Uh, (laughs) He's like, you have to wash it? Not going to lie. (laughs) I basically just rinsed it and used a little bit of a brush. But uh, yep. 
I'm Everything not you make in there it. is going to be garlicky from now until the, the end of time. Well, that just sounds like a bonus. <laughs> yeah, he's like, <laughs> don't threaten me with a good time. This sounds great. Angelo has effectively seasoned his mortar and pestle permanently yep. for that future use, marble, which does remind me more, I also need like one garlic. of those. like rocks. No, it like tastes like garlic. Garlic. Those rocks garlic are going to rock. taste like garlic. It's nice. wonderful. Mm. I guess that but, means I got to go out and get one. Yep. Nancy, you were saying that uh, Nordstrom is also one? going out of business right now. Wow. I, Jay, I have uh, one made out of uh, teak wood for Whoa. making pesto specifically because pine nuts, you know, don't need like stone. Uh, but I don't have a stone one, so I will probably oh, go out and get and okay. grab like a marble one. I've but yeah, I explicitly bought this one. one for aioli and pesto. Mm-hmm. That is what I wanted to do. One, so. Pesto in like a, a wooden one is just like an extra level of creamy because of the way the wood uh, interacts with each other when you rub like wood against each other. Yeah, you get uh, some of that like wood oil. Yeah, but uh, for a marble one, it's really nice because you've got that like roughened stone texture and it's really great for grinding down dried stuff so, like dried herbs, things like that. So slightly different uses. But yes, I would also like a, a marble one. Um, but yes, Angelo, uh, I mentioned just just like a little while ago that Nordstrom is also going out of business. Speaking of big box stores that are that are leaving, I've and only they... ever walked through a Nordstrom's. <laughs> Same, I've walked through a Nordstrom twice. You don't but I don't, buy, I don't shop at Nordstrom. <laughs> I've walked in front of a Nordstrom, and I was like, "Oh, that place smells like money. I shouldn't go in there." <laughs> They're too rich for me. Well, uh, at the moment, you can either get away with 20% off of stuff, like up to 20% off of stuff, or not paying GST on something. Like everything in the store is either somewhere between uh, somewhere between 5 and 20% off. All right. All right. Wow. Big deals. Yeah, stuff that is... That could be like six bucks off a pair of underwear. Let's go. Yeah, there you go. Better than zero. Better than zero. Yeah. Exactly. Lots of big box stores going out, so it's time to take advantage of sales. But go on the other hand, apparently we're, we're going to get a Uniqlo, so I'd rather have the Uniqlo anyway. I'm anyways. so Me excited too. for the Uniqlo. Honestly, I am so excited. Two, this better Uniqlo. not fall through. I will I, have broken heartedness so for months. So I love yeah. shopping at Uniqlo, especially for my basic stuff. Like, yeah, I will for find- oh yeah, they have they have like very good just like stand like like it doesn't like, have to be the fashion stuff. on top. Yeah. yeah, like and 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 that's the thing, right? Is like uh, the thing that I've learned is like every good wardrobe, like a good wardrobe, no matter how much you like to shop or you don't, like you should have you know a couple of basic t-shirts, a couple of basic long shirts, a couple of basic like. Uh, button ups and some basic pants and you know just basic stuff that is like you mix and match with all your other you know more fun clothes you need Mm -hmm. the base layer to layer the other stuff on top of yeah exactly yeah and i will say that uniqlo stuff can sometimes be hit or miss when it comes to like the collab clothing like oh um like they tend to do like they will do lots of anime collabs and i will say the mm-hmm. collab stuff the quality is kind of 50/50 and i think mm. that's because like i think uniqlo is kind of like an in some ways it's like an aggregator right like they have their uniqlo stuff but they also carry like n- other 
other brands for like like sub brands for collab stuff. So with collab stuff, you will sometimes get stuff that is like it's it's there's nothing wrong with it, but it's not as amazing as some of like the generic Uniqlo stuff. Like I it's will say, it's not up to the Uniqlo standard. Yeah, that's what I'll say. Like mm-hmm. I, for example, I love the Arism T-shirts. I'm actually wearing one right now. Um, yeah, me too. Amazing. I love those. They're so comfy. They like the best. They layer t-shirt, well. They layer well. Best T-shirt I've ever bought, and I don't like mm-hmm. T-shirts normally. So I was like, this is the best T-shirt I've ever bought. And I like I don't having like shirts to go under like sweaters for those yeah. days where you do need like you a need big, something that's not just the sweater. Yeah, you need like a big fluffy sweater and and they the like Uniqlo's basics layer super well. They um, do. But I have like I have one of their collab t-shirts and it's fine. There's nothing wrong with the t-shirt. But it's the not co- nearly as nice as the Arism shirts. The collab shirts that we've bought have all ended up being really good quality. Like the Ava shirts when they had them were really good. All of the Gundam shirts that we got were very nice. They had a whole line that had like more traditional Japanese art styles oh, on it. Those that were would all be very so good. Cool. Uh, and then I, I went and I got like, uh, they had like a collab with Lotte and it, and they're uh, one of Japan's like, you know, big snack companies. Yeah. And so they had, uh, they had like a Pocky shirt and they had Cute. one that was like the chocolate dipped strawberries. Those are two of my favorite t-shirts because they're not the really thin, cheap feeling cotton. They're like a little bit thicker. They mm-hmm. feel a little bit sturdier, a little bit softer. They're really nice. Uh, so I don't know. I think. The thing that I love most is probably the Arism UV stuff. As someone yeah. who's very UV averse, yeah, they have those these are really awesome. super light, packable coats and hats and like layer layers that give that you are, UV like, protection. I know, and they're just so comfy in summer. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Uniqlo stuff. Um, that's kind of been my go-to for basics. So if it doesn't, if, if the if the Uniqlo coming to Calgary falls through, I'm going to be very upset because my one thing that I don't love is uh, as much as I would love to order clothes online, um, I am very much I have to I have to usually try it on in person to verify yeah. the fit. And yeah. like once and I've tried it on on quality. Pers- yeah, exactly. And once I've done that, then, you know, if I know it's good, I can go order more in like different colors or similar styles. Because mm-hmm. if, if I know that I'm a size large, let's say, at in in tops at Uniqlo, I know I can go buy another Uniqlo large top and it'll fit mm-hmm. and I'll be happy with it. But if I yeah. have never tried it on in person, then I'm just guessing. And mm-hmm. when my guesses are wrong, it means I have to pay to return things or exchange yeah. them, which is annoying. Yeah. Like, True. we're currently in Canada. I think everything ships out of the Toronto warehouse. Yeah, I think so. Mississauga, I guess, because uh, Mississauga, no. I guess. Oh, no, they also have the Vancouver else. one. Vancouver, the Vancouver Yeah, Vancouver warehouse. one as well. I, I get most of my stuff through there. All right. I've noticed recently with all of my orders that they all still come from Mississauga. So I think it just depends on which warehouse picks up your order. Yeah. But it would make sense for us to get stuff from BC. Like, let's be honest. It's definitely Uh, closer. Yeah. It it depends on stock probably. But yeah. yeah. I'm excited to be able to go and try. Yeah. I don't love like what they do is like if you buy something and you return it, they take the return like they take the the return shipping fee out of your return. Yeah. Which is fine. But, like, I don't love that I have to pay to return something because it means it cost me money to try on something and it was the wrong size. Like, I would rather just go to the store, try it on, yeah. make sure it's the right size before mm-hmm. I buy it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that has happened to me now. I've I've had the misfortune. Of, I have had no luck with the Uniqlo belts um, and with their belt wear. Uh, I've mm. had to exchange four belts to finally land at one that fit. And I'm just Oof. like, <sighs> I wish Oof. I could just have gone to the store and tried on the belt to make sure that it was the right kind of belt and that it would fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unlucky. Super unlucky. unlucky. But you know who else went through some serious bad luck? E3. E3. Electronics Men. Entertainment Expo. First started in 1995. Has now died. Yeah. Everyone yeah, it was ca- just like, I don't want to play with you anymore. Bye. Honestly, yeah. that's kind of how it started. Uh, I feel like Nintendo is the first one to pull out of E3 with uh, their own Nintendo Direct Nintendo Direct. Direct. Yeah. And then Sony kind of followed soon after. To they the did. point where the only people within E3 were your third-party studios and, uh, and Microsoft. Uh, but what really kind of killed E3 completely was a combination of uh, a rise of uh, Doritos and Mountain Dew Pope, Jeff Keighley, with his Game Awards, and also Corona making uh, just in-person trade shows d- dangerous, if yeah. not just completely obsolete. Like, that's the thing. I've always associated, like, personally, because I've never been to E3 in person, I've always associated E3 with the virtual online event, but a big part of E3 was that it was a physical trade show. Like, it was very mm-hmm. much a indus- industry convention. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. those used to be, like, a really big thing. But in a in a corona-affected world, um, mm-hmm. those have been less and less over the past three years and are only really just now starting to come back and be, like, a thing. And now... Like, as Angelo said, your bigger players, like your Nintendos, like at the end of the day, uh, you know, your bigger players are the people who bankroll the event, who make the event, like, possible to run financially. So when, like, your Nintendos leave and your Sony Sony leaves leaves and, you know, potentially your Microsoft is interested in going and doing their own thing, it's like, yeah, you still might have all of these smaller studios and manufacturers, but they alone can't financially fund the event happening what surprises me the most about this is honestly how little i actually care uh back when (laughs) i was in like high school back when i was in high school i loved e3 that whole part of the year was like huge right uh thinking back like angelo from 2005 would have been uh, greatly saddened to know that E3 died and I never got to go. You know, now that you mention it, but I think it's me, the same today, thing for me. I'm sorry I haven't paid attention to E3 in probably in five years. years. At least. Yeah, we yeah. actually haven't even I uh, we haven't even put like a podcast episode about E3 in like two in, seasons, like two three years, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I partially just because it didn't run during COVID. Partially yeah. because it didn't run during COVID, but because like. I don't know. Just didn't feel like a lot of stuff was really coming out that was all that cool I or, just, you know. Yeah. I, re- I remember when people made, like, it made headlines that they had effectively dominated the CES gaming section. 
of yeah. CES. Like they were just mm-hmm. like, "Yep, we win. We have taken the entire CES gaming like section, and that that's us now. Like we yeah. we are the gaming convention thing. We th- that, that is us. To. That is our that is our whole shtick. Yeah. And now you know, uh, when did PAX start? I don't know. That probably like fifteen started. years ago. It's been yeah, around for a while. Like around two thousand. It has been around for a very long time. Yeah, but I think PAX had a really good consumer focus around taking that attention away from E three. Yeah. Also because well, they were more philanthropic. Was, I would I, think, I would argue that they didn't have that as a goal. It just happened organically yes, because people no, no. were drawn to its consumer to, focus, where it's literally just efforts. people. Yeah, people just playing games together. And like as a community and bringing that idea as a whole, as opposed to showcasing mm-hmm. where it was like, hey, we have this big e-game, uh, uh, you know, pro gaming uh, competition or we have industry come in and just show off their stuff. It's like, that's cool. And there is a spectacle sense to it. But as we know, as convention organizers ourselves, it's not always about really what you put out there as a feature. It, the, the the unspoken feature is always the community. It's always like when you when I ask for memories, you know, people at like Odafest, it's very rarely, oh, it was that closing ceremonies moment or that panel or whatever. It is, I was hanging out with my friends and something cool happened. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like it. I think, uh, like when I think about it, I think the reason because I remember there was a period of time where I did enjoy watching E3, and I can't remember when that stopped. But it ha- I have not particularly cared for E3 in in like recent years at all, um, much you like Angelo. How- and I think it comes down to saturation. Um, once upon a time, like I remember E3 being like that was the time to learn about what new games were going to come out that year that was the mm-hmm. one time of year where you would get to see all the previews for the new consoles and the new games and the new technology and all the new stuff that the industry like the gaming industry as a whole was doing but now I... now that every studio is kind of doing their own sort of digital marketing and and social media and uh you know big publishers are doing their own um their own conferences and events and sometimes multiple times a year you know, there's no pull for this one. Like, I'm not interested in the one big event because there is no one big event anymore. No. There's just a bunch of little events. Yeah, you know what will you, always would you... live on in my memory? All of the E3 cringe videos. Yes. Oh, my God. I will God. forever Classics. cherish those. Yes, I don't remember always. those. But... They're funny. Oh, dear. They're good Go and find a compilation. They're great. But I just, I, the, the, the point I was going to say was that why would you want to share or compete for attention anyways? If you yeah, know your 100%. product is already strong, like they don't, the, the whole, uh, you know, who won E3 post yeah. analysis type. That doesn't, um, that there's no need for it anymore. Is, no, it, it, really yeah, isn't. it's not necessary when you know that your product is good anyways and you have your audience and you could grow your audience to. For yourself. People, but we live, but we live. In, a, in the technological age where everything is shared immediately, it doesn't really matter in the same way anymore. So Yeah, that, that's exactly what I see, mean. Like, yeah, it's hard because, to see how an E3 exists. Like, uh, yeah. not just E3, but... Um, Other you know, sort of single focus, like, 
yeah. patience style events. Like, like will CES one day kind of go down the drain? Maybe. I mean, you could argue maybe it's already going down the drain. I don't know. Like uh, the thing I would point out is like there are other like there are other trade shows and game shows that exist, but like a mm-hmm. lot of them have pivoted away from being trade shows and game shows. Like the Tokyo Game Show was originally mm-hmm. a trade show Two about years. games. Like it was you know it was the it was the Japanese publisher uh, focused equivalent of like an E three. But now mm-hmm. when I think of it, I think of it a, as a as a uh, a figure showcase like it's a merchandise showcase it's a, it's a chance to see like what new figmas merch. and nendroids and what new merch is coming down oh, the pipeline Nandos. as opposed yeah. to like i don't focus on tgs for the games i'm mm-hmm. there for the game merchandise yeah yeah that's true because nowhere else nowhere else really like nowhere else shows that mm-hmm. like you don't go to a pax typically and see like the merchandise showcases that might change in the future, but uh, yeah, I wonder if that if, if that's just the the thing. The times are changing, and the interest of people has pivoted, and so there's just less interest in an E three style event. People still want the news, but they, we all know where we can get news. where we can go get it. Yeah. yeah. The times are a changing. This is where all the millennials shake their fists and go, "I remember when E three was amazing. It was an amazing event. Back when E three was amazing, you had to buy a magazine about it. Oh wow! Yeah, magazines are not really a thing anymore. Oh my god, you're right. You just reminded me, magazines were a thing. Yeah. Like I remember ever my- since digital distribution kind of took over the news space. They found out that, wait a minute, we can just announce this shit on our own and people will pay attention. Yeah. Instead of, you had to go to E3 because that's where people were looking. And then they would buy a magazine about it afterwards because they're they're just a pleb. They there was go no, to E3. there was it's no a trade show, not a consumer show. Yeah, and there were you know mm. you couldn't watch a vod on YouTube. You couldn't watch a, oh a vod on Twitch. You couldn't like there was no you couldn't you couldn't replay the event on demand so you had to go buy a magazine or mm-hmm. read a blog article or read a bunch of blog articles uh written summarizing, by people, summarizing a journalist experience yeah. yeah oh journalism yeah, yeah it's, it's See definitely last episode about my thoughts on journalism yep like <sighs> speaking of the times are changing i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna take this aside real quick one thing that like i had the oh time has actually passed moment was actually for me at last Odafest. Um, because I went through the vendors hall specifically mm-hmm. intending to buy stuff. Like it's very mm-hmm. common for me. I will go to, I've been to tons of cons and I will always go check out the vendors hall, the exhibitors hall, the artist alley. And I'll always look and I'll look and I'll look and I'll look, but I probably won't buy very much. I'll, I'll you know, I'll buy a trinket here or a trinket there. Um, but every now and then there will be a time where I'm like, I really want to go look for things like I specifically want to go do a capitalism and buy stuff like I just want to go buy things and I had just moved um or I was plant slash planning a move and mm-hmm. uh I was like I want to get new stuff to decorate my new space I want to get some mm-hmm. some some stuff and yeah. so I did a lot of shopping and I have very specific sp- specific memories it, it brought me back specifically to like Odafest I want to say like 2009 which was like where the vendors hall was at the University of Calgary and it was in the McEwen like basement 
uh, yeah. room. And yeah, I remember walking room. through the vendors there. Mm-hmm. And I remember that back then there were there were two sort of like not issues, but sort of just things that were a thing. So mm-hmm. um there wasn't really good, there wasn't great Wi-Fi connectivity. It was really hard to get Wi-Fi connectivity in the basement. And that oh was gosh, not that, that was not like unique to the McEwen ballroom. That was just like a, a a feature of like concrete basements anywhere. Like it was very tough to get like Wi-Fi connectivity, but that was it was also true in that vendors hall. And so because of that, um it was only just becoming a thing where some people would have little um, digital point of sale ter- terminals, like the big vendors, big local vendors who had uh, point of sale systems here in the city and they were setting up a booth, they would just bring their point of sale system or their little uh, debit reader like to the event. But because those need to be connected to the internet, people would have a really hard time using them and getting like credit card or debit sales to go through. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I remember like anime cons of that time were largely cash based people Mm -hmm. would carry a physical cash box box you before going to the vendors hall you would go to an atm like do you remember and pull out cash and that's how you would buy stuff like and i remember that like it was always an issue this was not like unique to odafest this was like conventions everywhere like Mm -hmm. if there was like an atm near the vendors hall there would always be a lineup for it and it would probably like by midday saturday be sold out Completely. And because and and people would, would would complain, they would always submit like not complain, but people would submit feedback that like, oh, it would be nice if the ATMs, you know, were were fuller or would update more often. But it's not like the con doesn't own the ATM. The ATMs. And like we we couldn't like go ask the bank to go and be like, hey, can exactly. you just make sure this is ultra stocked this is up ultra on like stocked the up Thursday on this before? Day. Exactly, because mm-hmm. it's not it's not the venue that stocks the bank. Like the 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 event can't control it. The venue can't control it. It's specifically the banks. It's their ATM. They get to yeah. stock it on their schedule. Um, dear RBC, dear TD, I, dear I just, CIBC. Yeah, like I and so I have these memories of like of that and so like i you know my con ritual for the longest time like throughout my teenage years uh and uh, and so on and so forth was that before the con weekend i would go to the bank and take out the amount of money that i wanted to spend for that convention mm-hmm. weekend and i would mm-hmm. put it in a i would have a specific wallet not my regular wallet a specific wallet that was for, for your the convention, convention spending spending yeah. and i had this sort of like Oh, moment at Odafest last year where I went through the vendors hall and not only had I not done this like process of like I didn't go take out cash. I didn't go take out any cash. Um but um Wi-Fi technology has improved so there was no issues with Wi-Fi throughout the building. Um yeah. and the our like the TCC does a great job um given that they are an ISP making sure that their building has really great internet connectivity. What a what right? a shocker. Um, right. But uh there were no issues with Wi-Fi and every single vendor, almost an almost every single artist had some form of digital payment, whether they yeah. had square readers um like those cute little square readers or some yep. of them had PayPal or like Etsy or other shop style things like Shopify on their phone where you could literally mm-hmm. tap your debit card on their phone. I know. I was just like, 
whoa like i was like this is awesome i was like this is awesome because i can just have a completely cashless experience while i'm shopping for my you know my 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 little my my merch from like Mm -hmm. local artists and vendors and stuff which is awesome like an awesome experience but it was also just like whoa the times have changed like the future is now and for our american listeners tap payment (laughs) is when you can take any of your debit and credit cards and literally just tap on the point of sale yeah yeah this is that's another thing and it's safe and it's fine it's easy and it works yeah Yeah, this was the other thing it's like american friends have no idea what this is because this is this is a a uniquely like the the concept of tap payment and also interact e-transfer is uniquely canadian I guess so. I never thought about that too much. Um, so, so I only recently started relying heavily on tap on my phone. Like, yeah, yeah I was always using tap mm. with my physical credit card, but I only but now recently you can just do it with started. Your- phone yeah it's just stupid like i go walks i I go on walks for bubble tea with neighbors friends or just sean and you don't have to think about it don't bring a wallet with us anymore i just tap my phone if you don't think they're gonna id you for your bubble tea then you're probably okay but like so here's the thing last year at odafest I 100% used my phone to buy things at the tea shop for a t-shirt, for a plushy thing, for some artwork. Like, I was just, I actually didn't know how much I had spent that weekend because I was just like, oh, yeah, I'll just tap it on my phone. I don't have to carry cash with me anymore. And I don't see the 20s slowly disappearing. From my my physical wallet. From my physical wallet. That's when Nancy had to refinance the mortgage. Yeah. (laughs) To afford... Convention spending. Everything. (laughs) Oh, my God. But it's so funny that you mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. I was just like, whoa. Like, teenage... Because teenage me loved using cards rather than cash. I hated having to keep track of cash. Especially, like, loose change. Like, because it it was... Oh, God. Rattles everywhere. I hated that. And so as soon as I was... I'm going to go ahead and say that's worse for guys because... Our wallet, like generally, where are you guys carry a, a smaller wallet that fits Change in your pocket. Sucks. Like <laughs> yes, we have big. Po- like oh, yes, yeah. we have big pockets, but it doesn't mean I want a big little. Bundle you don't want to have that going ka-ching, that ka-ching, ka-ching. Yeah, yeah. It. yeah, it's also yeah. the you worst when guys' pockets also wear that has a tiny pocket in it around the middle of the pocket. Specifically for keys and coins, so they don't cause a bulge at the bottom of your pocket. That nice. is nice. Two hundred IQ tailoring right there. Yeah, <laughs> but That's also nice. it's just yeah, it's just uh, and so I you know like teenage me always I loved using my debit card wherever I could like I loved taking advantage of being able to just tap to pay for things and not having to manage physical bills or or change or coins or or any of that stuff and now it's and like I know teenage me would be frothing at the mouth that I just I had the most seamless shopping experience where I I can literally just walk around with my cellular phone device and just go tap 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 I'm om- I'm almost careless with how um like I trust the tap system because yesterday after dinner we had gone quickly to buy like little errand uh stuff at like a shopper's drug mart. Yeah. And I was at the, you know, self uh checkout term- terminal, scanned my stuff, did the thing. I was like, 
press here to to pay for you know your stuff your and stuff. i tapped mm-hmm. and i literally just walked away right like <laughs> I it's like i don't grab even gr- look i didn't even grab like the receipt i didn't even wait for confirmation i tapped you just sort of, like, i heard tap, the, i heard like the the little thing correct beep and i just walked away <laughs> <laughs> yep and i do that a lot more often than i probably should if there's like a real safety concern but i'm just like nah it's fine goodbye now <laughs> Yep. You know what still kind of bugs me about tap that we're we're still in that part of uh, transitioning to to seamless tap where every single device that you use as a checkout terminal has the tap sensor on a slightly different location on. Yes, it. that is some driving me top, nuts. Some are at the top, some are on the screen. I prefer on the screen just because I can see it's consistent. The, tap icon? the confirmation, the confirmation, yeah. yeah, the confirmation of the purchase plus the price is all there. Just like, and then you smack that face, and then you're like, goodbye. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> smack, smack, tap, tap. Yeah. And I think this is the point where we have to tap our card against the viewer's forehead and say goodbye. Goodbye. See you I'm next time. Right See you.